Hello and welcome to ACT Crash Course presented by Get to College. I'm your host, Charlie Harrington, and I'm excited to be talking about the ACT today. That is not a joke. I, I really am. I know a lot of people just don't really enjoy the ACT and I totally understand it, but this is a subject that I'm pretty passionate about. Uh, with this podcast today, we're going to cover some high-level tips and strategies. We're not going to do a deep dive, so if you're looking for really heavy content, this is not it, Chief. So really, today we're going to talk about uh, managing test anxiety, making sure you're prepared on the day of the test, practicing uh, your study tips, your study habits. We're going to look at a little bit of that. We will go into each of the four areas of content, but they're going to be very, uh, like I said, high level. So I'm going to give you our top five tips for each section, but also cover uh, some other things as well. So if you're interested in just the content, you're going to want to fast forward a good bit. The beginning portions will be preparing for test day, as well as working through your study habits and a few tips to studying. So we're going to go ahead and jump right in. Thank you for listening, and I hope you find this content beneficial as you begin or continue your ACT prep work. Okay, before we jump into any specific content areas or certain sections of the ACT, I want to take things back to square one and I want to cover some very basic information. Some of you may feel like I'm dumbing things down by doing this, but one of the biggest issues I see with students on a daily basis, students freak out over the ACT. It's test anxiety, it's nerves. This is a big test and there are lots of big implications that come with it. Some students are focused on getting a certain score for scholarships, or maybe it's getting a 20 for the HELP grant through the state of Mississippi, or maybe it's getting into a nursing program or an engineering program or staying, keeping from having to take the praxis. Whatever your reason for taking the ACT may be, a lot of people freak out. So I want to try to limit that as much as possible. So if I cover some very basic stuff here, that's what I'm trying to do. Number one is remember your admissions ticket on the day of the test. This is that piece of paper that you're going to print out from the ACT website. It's going to have your picture in the top left corner, and it's going to have your testing location, testing date, and your ACT ID number. So lots of good information on that piece of paper. It's very important. Make sure you have it on the day of the test. Now, even though your picture's on that admissions ticket, also make sure you bring a proper photo ID. This has to be a valid photo ID, typically your driver's license or a state-issued ID, your driver's permit if you have that. Sometimes they will take school-issued photo IDs, but just make sure it's a valid photo ID. Next up is the easiest thing, the most basic thing of all, and that's to make sure you have a pencil. And we all know that we need that soft lead number two pencil, right? So no mechanical pencils, no pens. You have to have that number two, soft lead pencil. And then also make sure you have a calculator. They do say that you can take the ACT without a calculator. And while that is true, you can answer every single math question without a calculator. I don't encourage it. I highly advise having a calculator and knowing how to use it. Now, with that said, don't use your calculator as a crutch. Don't plug every single thing into that calculator. We all know what 2 plus 2 is, so save that time. But if you need your calculator for some of the more advanced math, go ahead and do it. Also, that's a great way to keep from making careless errors. 
by double checking your math with a calculator. The other thing with calculators, make sure that they are allowed. The ACT has a list of prohibited calculators. So I'm going to give you the link to that website right now. It's at act.org slash calculator dash policy dot html. Okay, yeah, big link. One more time. act.org forward slash calculator dash policy dot html. If that's too much for you, just go to Google and type in ACT calculator policy and it'll pull it right up. And then also just make sure your calculator works on the day of the test. I had a student a couple of years ago, left his calculator in the car, a huge cold front came through, it froze his batteries, and when he pressed the power button, there was no juice. And that is not what you want. You wanna make sure that your calculator turns on when you press the power button and that it works. So definitely make sure that that's good to go. Some other simple ways that you can help reduce your stress level and make sure you're best prepared for test day and, you know, living your best life. Make sure that you get a nice, healthy, balanced meal the night before for dinner. And just like athletes, they load up on carbs before a big event or fight, and that's to fuel their body. That's for energy. So get some carbs, get some potatoes in your system, maybe some pasta, but just make sure that you are energized the next day, and also it helps with your brain power a little bit. Get a good night's sleep. Yes, make sure you're well-rested. It's a very long test. You're going to be in there for five hours, sometimes a little longer. So you want to make sure that you're well-rested and you're good to go and you're not dozing off in the end of the test You know, with reading and science and all that fun stuff. Make sure that you get up the morning of and you eat a good breakfast. Eat a nice, healthy breakfast so you know that your stomach's not growling. Be prepared for the room temperature. So dress in layers if you need to. If you're uh, someone who gets cold very frequently, then make sure you have some layers. Make sure you have a jacket and make sure that room temperature is not a huge deal for you. If you're hot natured and you know that you're gonna get really warm, there's not much we can do there other than just wear a t-shirt instead of a sweatshirt, but just try to dress as cool as you possibly can. That's something that's going to be out of your realm of control, but being as prepared as you possibly can for that will help. And also along those same lines, uh, make sure you know where your test center is. It doesn't matter what the temperature is in the room if you don't actually make it to the room. So know how to get to your testing center, and that way you save that little bit of headache. I know most of you are going to be taking it at your high school but there are some people out there that are taking it at an unfamiliar location so just know exactly how you're going to get there so that you don't have to worry about that on test day practice makes perfect on the act it's just like everything else in life you know athletics playing a musical instrument act is just the same so you want to make sure that you put in the time now with that said it's all about high quality practice instead of high quantity practice If you're doing lots and lots of test prep and you're putting in hours and hours and hours, but you're using garbage material, then you're pretty much wasting your time. It would be like choosing Shaquille O'Neal to teach you how to shoot free throws in basketball. You're never going to want Shaq to teach you how to shoot a free throw. He was notoriously bad at that. Sorry, Shaq. I like you, but we all know that was a shortcoming for you. You're going to want to choose someone like Steve Nash or Steph Curry to teach you those free throw shooting skills. The ACT is no different. There are a lot of books and apps out there for ACT prep. Some of them are really good. Some of them, not so much. And so it's finding the right ones. Typically, anything that comes directly from the ACT 
company, anything that's officially branded by ACT is good to go. One of those is going to be the ACT Academy. That's the online test prep that they offer for free. So find the ACT Academy online. The Real ACT Prep Guide is an awesome book that has some great practice tests in there. Preparing for the ACT booklets that you can get, again, on the internet or going to your high school guidance counselor. Or if you come to a Get to College workshop, we have those books available as well. And then there's another great book called the ACT Prep Black Book. And that goes along with the big red real ACT prep guide. And it teaches the tricks and traps to the ACT and some of the background of hints of why and how they try to trap you. So it's a really good book as well. Also, don't discount the value of YouTube. If you have a practice test and you're getting lots of questions wrong, but you don't know why you're getting them wrong, you can't find any explanations, then just search YouTube. For instance, the gray preparing for the ACT booklets that you can get from your counselor's office, they have all the answers in the back, but they don't give any description on what's wrong and why it's wrong. So search YouTube and literally just type in preparing for the ACT, the year that you're using. So if it's 2018, 19, and then if it's a math problem, say math number 14, and that'll get you a short video that will show you exactly how to work that math problem. I can't guarantee that there's going to be a video for every single thing or every single subject area, but I have checked. I know there are some math problems there, so use that to your advantage, and hopefully that'll help out. Another great way to help study is to focus on your weaknesses. Understand what you're missing and why you're missing them. A lot of students will study their strengths because that's the comfortable thing to do. They think, you know, I've got these really strong areas. I'm going to focus in on those. I'm going to perfect them because I know what I'm doing there. Yes, that can be helpful to perfect those strategies, but really what you would rather do is look at the areas that you're very weak in and figure out how to turn those weaknesses into other strengths. That in turn is going to take your score and allow you a larger gap and a larger margin to increase those scores. So I definitely encourage you focus on your weaknesses and do the best that you can to turn them into strengths. Another thing is avoiding careless mistakes. You have to read very carefully on the ACT. They try to trick you and they try to trap you in a lot of different areas. So you really have to read. You really have to pay attention to what you're doing. I encourage you to underline any important information and really get to the root of what is this question asking me to do. You have to know exactly what they're asking. For instance, there was a math example on a practice test dealing with a computer chip. And the question divided the computer chip into 15 equal layers, but the question didn't ask how many total layers were in the computer chip. They only wanted to know how many inner layers. So you had to subtract the top layer and the bottom layer to get the correct answer. If you didn't read that properly, it was very easy to miss that question because one of the answer choices was the total number of layers, which was 15. So again, just be very cautious and careful, read everything thoroughly, and make sure that you find the correct answer. Now that we've got the practice and preparation portions out of the way, let's dive into content. So I'm going to give you my top five tips for each section, and I'm going to go in order of the test. So starting with English. My top five tips for English. Number one, the shortest answer is usually right if it makes sense. Sometimes we like to add fluff. 
So if we're in English class and we have a paper due that needs to be two pages, but we've only written a page and a half, we have a tendency to fluff things up a bit. So instead of saying, it is February, we may say something like, due to the fact that it has turned into the month of February because it's not the month of March yet, no, 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 no. For the ACT, it is February, okay? That's all we're going with. Short, simple, concise. They are looking for the clearest answer. Now, number two, avoid redundancy. Avoid redundancy. Avoid, okay, I'm not going to do it again, but just make sure you're not repeating information. If they tell you that the train only took 26 minutes to complete its route, and later in that same sentence it says the train left in under half an hour, you don't need an under half an hour because it's repeating information that's already been stated. Number three, everything that's not underlined is correct. So use your context clues to make the underlined portion match everything else. If the entire passage is in the past tense, but the underlined portion is present or future tense, then you automatically know that it needs to be changed. So your context clues helped you tremendously in that situation. Same thing if everything is written in third person, but the underlying portion is in first person. Okay, obviously we need to make a change. So always make sure that you're reading everything in the English section so that you can use the rest of the passage to your advantage and use your context clues. Next up, number four, review punctuation and grammar. There is no possible way that I can teach you the English language in just five minutes or five quick tips. So you have to do a little extra work on your own. Make sure you're reviewing all the different types of punctuation and focus in on the important aspects of grammar such as subject-verb agreement, the seven parts of speech, misplaced modifiers, and also look out for tricky scenarios such as collective nouns. Number five, don't be scared of no change or delete the underlying portion. I've seen these be correct up to 40% of the time. So if you have no idea what the answer is, you can guess no change or delete the underlying portion and have a pretty good shot of getting it correct. However, if you think you can get the question right, don't just default to no change. Give it an honest effort and see if you can choose the correct answer. Sometimes you might be overlooking something important or making a careless mistake. So just be sure you're double checking before you just mark no change without ever really looking at what you're doing. Moving on to the math section. Number one, picking a strategy. I have two separate strategies that I think work really well for students. The first being 20-20-20. So this means you give yourself 10 minutes to work the first 20 math questions, 20 minutes to work the middle 20 math questions, and that leaves you 30 minutes to work the last 20 questions. So 20-20-20, that breaks down the questions, and it breaks it down into a reasonable time frame. This is for students who really like math or they want to get every single question. They want to attempt every single question. If you don't really care and you don't really want to get that perfect score or challenge yourself by getting the really hard questions right, then this is not your go-to strategy. So it breaks everything down for time management for those students who really want to challenge themselves in math. The second strategy is called the first 40. 
This is where you literally just look at the first 40 math questions. You don't even worry about the last 20. Usually in math, the questions are in order from easy to hard. Most of the pretty easy stuff for the first 10 and then it starts to gradually get more and more difficult. You start to see some shapes and you do some geometry and move into trigonometry towards the later questions. So focusing on those first 40 questions and getting all of them right could get you up to a score of a 25 on the math section. That's a great strategy that some students don't really think about not looking at every single question but really focusing in and spending all of your time on just a certain portion so work on those first 40 questions now i said don't even worry about the last 20 but you don't get penalized for guessing on the act so make sure that you fill in every single blank even though you're going to spend your whole time focusing on those 40 questions have an answer bubbled in for those last 20. That is very, very important. Never leave points on the table. Bubble every single thing in. Number two, start with the middle answer choice. If you have a practice test for the ACT, go ahead and open it up to the math section and check out the pattern of the answer choices. Usually they're in order from either least to greatest or greatest to least. So if you notice that your answer choices are in order, you can start right in the middle. So if, for instance, a is the smallest answer and E is the biggest answer, we can start in the middle with C. And if our answer after working that problem out with C is too big, then we know we need to go up and we need to look at A or B. If we work it out and the answer is too small, then we're going to move on to D and work it. And this way you'll only ever have to work a math problem twice. Now, it probably is not going to work every single time for you. There are some problems where this setup isn't perfect. It doesn't really the question doesn't require you to work it in this method, but anytime you can do this, it's going to save you a lot of time on the test, okay? So start in the middle, work it, and work those problems in order. Next up, use process of elimination where you find it helpful. One thing we cover in our Get to College ACT workshops is using logic to solve geometry problems. So instead of working things out the mathematical way, Find little shortcuts and ways to change the shape or change the picture to benefit you. Maybe they're asking you the area of a rectangle, but you realize, hey, if I draw a line straight up from this point, I can make a triangle. Or maybe you see a square and you notice they've already given you a triangle and the length of the hypotenuse. Something really simple that you can use to your advantage because if they give you the hypotenuse that's in the middle of a square and they're asking you for the area of the entire square well if one of your answer choices is the same number as the hypotenuse that can't be the correct answer you need a number bigger than that hypotenuse so you know the area of the square is going to be bigger than that answer choice that was kind of complicated i hope you followed that right there um, but just keep that in mind use the picture use your logic, eliminate answer choices where you can, okay? Lastly, and along those same lines, if they don't give you a diagram or they don't give you a picture, then draw it. It's gonna be very helpful to have a picture. So if it's a long convoluted word problem that you're struggling with, and you can draw something that's gonna help, I say do it. Use any extra space available to you in that workbook and draw those pictures, because I promise if you're a visual learner, that is gonna help you tremendously. Next up is the reading section. Number one, 
It's an open book test. All of the answers are right there on the page. All of your answers are directly in the text. So that leads us straight to number two. If your answer is subjective and you need to explain how you got your answer, then it's probably not right. Your answer choices are typically going to be word for word, straight from the passage. Another thing is don't overthink the questions. So if they ask you to infer something, you don't really have to infer it. It's actually going to be very objectively stated in the passage. So don't let them confuse you and think, oh, well, I've got to do some really high-level reasoning. No, you just need to find where that answer is in the passage. Number three. Be careful of tricks and traps in the reading section and make sure that you choose an answer that's most represented in the text. A lot of times students can get two wrong answers eliminated and they struggle with the very last two answers because they find an area in the text where both of those answer choices could be supported. However, you need to find the one answer choice that is most supported. Another thing is the ACT likes to take data and flip it on you. For instance, the passage may say, the sky is blue and the grass is green, but your answer choice may say, the sky is green and the grass is blue. Well, we all know that's not true, but if you just see sky and grass, you're like, oh yeah, I read something about the sky and I read something about the grass, and you don't even look at the colors, then you're going to miss that question and it's actually a pretty easy question. So be very, very careful of those types of tricks and traps. Number four, learn how to speed read. One important thing to this before I talk about speed reading, you have to choose the strategy that's best for you. Maybe you're really good at reading comprehension and you can read the entire passage at once and get everything you need to know. I was not like that as a student. If I read the whole passage, I lost track of everything and I never remembered anything that I read. So for me, it's more important to go ahead, read the questions, get an idea of what those key words and key topics and key phrases are in the questions, and then look for those while I'm reading actively. So that's pretty important. Active reading is very, very important. We don't need to passively read, okay? So now let's talk about number four again, speed reading. This is where you're gonna read the first paragraph, you're gonna read the first line of each of the middle paragraphs, and then you're gonna read the last paragraph. Typically, you're going to get one or two questions that you can pull from the first paragraph and the last paragraph, so you're already getting a couple of answers there. Then read the first line of each of the middle paragraphs so that you get an idea of what the topic is of each of those. So it's very, very helpful. You don't have to read the whole passage. You just have to read a little bit at a time, which leads us to number five, and that's reorder the questions to your benefit. Find the easy questions that ask very specific questions. We call these fetch the answer. They sound something like, on line 35, the word blank means what? Okay, it's a very simple vocabulary question. We go directly to line 35 and we read the sentence and we figure out what the context is and what that word means. You can get a lot of those right because they're going to be at least one or two of those on each of the passages. So that's, those are the first ones you're looking for. Anything that talks about a specific line, a specific word, or a specific phrase, look for those first. 
The second type of question with the medium types of questions are what we call read and reason, but those are going to ask you to go a little bit deeper. You're going to have to read probably an entire paragraph to find the answers for those. So a little bit tougher, but now you're starting to piece everything together. You fetched the answer. You've read a couple of very specific lines. Now you've read full paragraphs. And now you're ready to answer the big picture question, which is what is the main idea? What is the author trying to convey to the reader? And if you've done your questions in this order, you've gotten bigger and bigger and bigger as you go, and now you're ready. You have a pretty decent idea of what the passage as a whole is like. So try this out for yourself. See if the speed reading strategy works. See if it's helpful. See if reordering those questions helps get you through those reading passages a little more quickly. Lastly, we have the science section. The thing with the science section is it's not really a science test at all. Yes, there are big scientific words, but those are really just there to trip you up. That's actually one of my tips for the science section. It's really just another reading comprehension test. It's all about reading charts and graphs, scientific research experiments, but really it's just reading through all that data and pulling it from charts and experiments. So here we go. Number one, actively read everything. Underline important information. Anything that you see fit, make sure that you're underlining it and keeping up with, okay, what are they wanting me to do again? Got it. I see right here they're asking for grams. Or maybe they're dealing with time and the chart is in hours, but the answer choices are in minutes. Definitely circle that and make sure you understand, okay, I need to convert these hours into minutes. That's some really easy stuff that can trip you up really fast. So make sure you're paying attention to when you may need to convert information into a different uh, type of variable. Number two, don't get tripped up on the big scientific words. We have a process that gets to college and we call it substitute to simplify. This is taking big, long scientific words and changing them. A, an example that we use a lot, there were two types of finches, Geospiza fortis, Geospiza fuliginosa. I don't even know if I'm saying those right, but the key is anytime you see those two, just change them. Maybe just call them Fortis and Fully or Redbird and Bluebird or Little Wayne and Drake or whatever. I don't really care what you do. I use that a lot, but change them up and have a little fun with it. That's fine. Number three, look at the right chart or graph. So don't mix up which ones to look at. There are times where they will give you two charts that look almost identical. The only difference may be the size of a vessel and what I mean by the size of a vessel is it's like maybe a bucket so there's a three liter bucket and there's a six liter bucket that's the main difference or maybe there's a different chemical for each chart that they're tracking usually those charts look similar just be very careful and if the question asks you to look at chart one or figure one then you better be sure you're looking at figure one okay number four know how to read a chart or a graph. So remember that variables are going to be along the bottom. They're going to be along the sides, which are going to be your axes. So look around the bottom, look around the sides, and also look inside parentheses. If you see a word along the side, so maybe it says something like mass of food remaining. In parentheses, it may have milligrams. That's how the mass of the food remaining is going to be measured. And some of your answer choices may be in milligrams, so you know exactly where to find those answer choices right away. That could be very helpful. Number five, our final tip is only read the passage sometimes. 
A lot of times it's better just to skim the passage and have a broad idea of what it's about, have a high level picture of what it's saying. But there are some times where it's just a chart or just a graph and you don't even need the paragraph. It's a lot of unnecessary information. However, there are going to be other times that specific questions come directly from what you read in the passage. So there's three different types of scientific passages. You're going to have data representation, or sometimes we just call that charts and graphs. You're going to have experiments or research summaries. And then lastly, you're going to have conflicting scientists, or some people call it conflicting viewpoints. That's going to be all reading. So just understand that it's going to be lots and lots of reading. And if you don't enjoy the reading part of it, you're going to want to save conflicting scientists for last. So that is my top five tips for all four sections of the ACT. I want to give you one quick bonus tip, and that is what I like to call stay trendy. And the ACT likes to stay trendy. If you find information in the first sentence of Hypothesis 1 in a science passage, then you're probably going to find the exact same information in the first sentence of Hypothesis 2 in the science passage. It'll be a little bit different information that you're gathering, but it's going to be the exact same topic. So the ACT is very trendy. That's the same for all four sections. They like to reuse a lot of the same words and vocabulary, and their questions are all worded about the same every single test. So if you take lots of practice tests and you get familiar with the questions, the way that they're worded, the way that they're asked, and you can figure out what does the ACT really want me to do? What are they trying to get me to know? Then that is a huge key and a huge advantage for you. So definitely get familiar with those test questions, but make sure you're studying the right test questions. Remember, high quality versus high quantity. You wanna make sure that they're good quality test questions. If you'd like more information on ACT prep, or really anything in the college planning process, be sure to look us up at gettocollege.org. You can follow us on all forms of social media, or if you'd like to contact me directly, my social media accounts are at CD Harrington for Facebook and Instagram, and at Too Soon Charlie for Twitter. Don't forget to share those ACT scores with us once they go up, and we hope they do go up by many, many points. Thank you again for listening. This has been a really enjoyable experience for me, and I hope that you feel the same. Take care.